The church is not in these four walls. The church is in you and I. So it's so easy not to celebrate someone that you don't know that just had this big breakthrough because you're not familiar with them or they're not in your house or they're not in your family. And I'm going to talk to you today about champions operate through momentum. Momentum is what produces champions. But it doesn't just happen over one huge incident. So what I believe is happening, I'll set you up a little bit for the Thriving Series Recounter. What I believe is happening is that God has taken the Band-Aid off our nation and ripped open our vulnerabilities. Our vulnerabilities deal with race, authority, uh, economics, politics, and even church. Because this is the first time ever in modern history when basically 90% of the country's nations shut down at one time. They not only shut down, they locked down. They shut down their economy. They shut down uh, relationships. People had to be isolated and even shut down the churches. And in some states, they're still not even back doing what we're doing. And I'm like, Lord, what's up with that? What's up with this? What are you trying to say? <clears throat> I'm finally starting to get a language for it. So what I want you to understand about who you are, the church. Now, before I say anything, I want to say this. I love assembling together. I preached in front of 10 people, 100 people, 1,000, and 10 to 20,000 before. It's funner to preach with a lot of people. But we're not just gathering together to preach to celebrate. We're gathering together in the name of Christ to be discipled and prepare us to make disciples and sometimes get to add disciples. But the greatest harvest is not in this wall. This is our cave. This is our time to get our marching orders. This is our time to get our directive. This is our time to celebrate what God's doing in us and through us and what God's doing for other people. That's what this is about. So as we begin to understand the bigger picture, I believe one of the band-aids God has ripped off is that it's about the kingdom, not an organized religion. Hmm. I'll show you. So Jesus was asking his disciples, right, the question uh, about who do they say he is. So they were answering Elijah, and some say you're John the Baptist. But Jesus said, who do you say I am? He looked at Peter. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter broke up and said, spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. See, there was other anointed ones, but there are only the, the only one, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of God. I mean, anointed one means, uh, uh, it means Messiah, and it means Christ the anointed one in his anointing. Verse 17, Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged Simeon, or Simon, son of Jonah. So the word Simeon, Simeon means son who hear, or one who hears. So one who hears and the son, what Jonah means dove or spirit. So he says, You are highly favored, one who hears the spirit. In other words, you are highly favored. And now here's what you get. For you didn't discover this on your own. 
You, you might think you were the kid and the other 11 didn't get it, but you got it and they got issues, right? You didn't discover this on your own. But my Father, which is in heaven, supernaturally, that means it's something beyond the natural. He had to put super on it, right, from another realm, revealed it to you, uncovered it to you. It's called, in the Bible, revelation. He revealed it. That's what revelation is. Revelation is... Uh, the revealed word or truth of God. But it's something that you don't just know about faith, you get a revelation of it. It's not just knowing about courage, you get a revelation of it. Or knowing about peace, you've experienced it. And you it's been revealed to you, not just in the natural, but by the Holy Spirit. Just like, how did you get saved? You got saved, what? By grace, through what? Faith. But if you it wasn't revealed to you, that Jesus was the Messiah, if it was not revealed in your heart that this is a truth from God, would you be saved? Because all you have to do is believe, right, and confess Jesus is Lord and be saved. In other words, the reason you are a child of God is because of revelation. So the church is God's revelation, right? It's based on it, everything is. Verse 18, he said, I give you the name Peter, Petros, which is pebble, a stone, and this is the truth of who I am, the bedrock foundation on which I build my church, my legis legislative assembly. See, here's where everybody gets mixed up on church. Church is a term Jesus only used two, maybe three times. But when he used it, it wasn't defined as what we define church. Now, I love church. I I know there's a purpose for this and what we call church and our organization. So I'm never going to put the body down or the church down. But I want us to get a higher understanding of our significance to God and what the church can really be. Is that good? He said, so this word actually for church was actually changed in the King James Bible. And there's a whole history of why King James wanted it changed. <laughs> because it represents two to three people, a minimum of two to three people from another city or a nation that come to represent that city or nation. And they're the representatives of it. In other words, ecclesia is a secular term. Like apostles didn't come from the Bible. Apostles is what the Romans brought over to the Greeks and then the Greeks took it on. That's what that was the admiral that came in with a fleet of ships and took a colony and then what they do, or a country, and they set up the government of Rome in it, right? They were called Apollos or apostles. So, he said, the bedrock foundation which I built my church or my, it should say ecclesia or ecclesia, however you want to say it, the Greek word, Let my legislative assembly and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys. Now, what's keys represent? Authority, right? Who has access of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven. Is cancer forbidden in heaven? Is addiction forbidden in heaven? Is fear and anxiety forbidden in heaven? 
So think about all the things that are forbidden in heaven. He said, I give you the keys of heaven's kingdom, which he just talked about heaven's ecclesia, to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Do you believe there's new bodies and parts and freedom and love and grace and hope? What you believe all that's in heaven? So he's saying it's not just what you bind. Look at this. He's telling us that he has given his disciples strength. Well, anyway, so what he's telling us is when he was asked how to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's given us access to establish his ecclesia. But if we feel that we are relegated and the ecclesia is just when we gather in four walls, we're missing 98% of the world. Do you know 98% of the world is not in church this morning? What about the Great Commission? I'm just testing you a little bit. What Great Commission? What was what? Go forth and what? Preach the gospel to all the world. Hmm. You know, when you really look at the, the language and the Greek language, it's not go. Jesus didn't say go. He said as you go. Preach the gospel of the kingdom to all the world. What's he saying? As you go. In other words, you are his ecclesia. We come here to unite, to celebrate, to be discipled. But this is not the ending. This is the beginning of your week. And then what do you do? As you go in your place of business, as you go in your place of education, as you go in your neighborhood, as you go... You're not just taking, you're proclaiming the truth about God. You see, when we make everyone feel like the only place you can do ministry is in these four walls, that's shame on us. We try not to do that, and we can do a whole lot better job of getting it out. And that's what I believe the Band-Aid has been ripped off the body of Christ. Technology is one huge way to get it out there, but it's still got to go person to person. You and I are his ecclesia. And we need to just get us excited when someone's raised from the dead in the Ukraine, as we do when they're raised from the dead in your own church. That's when we'll go, we're getting somewhere. We need to get excited when somebody gets a financial breakthrough in another ministry or another state or nation, as we would if we got it. Why is that? Because we need each other. And Satan's goal is to divide us up. To divide us to a common denominator. To get us in, and I'm not putting denominational churches down. I mean, churches are churches. But isn't it funny? It's called denominations. That means a certain kind and likeness of people. We're like, we're independent, but we're still like a denomination. We're a group of people that have like values and mindsets and stuff like that about God and about the Spirit. It makes us a denomination too. We're denominators. Jesus didn't come to set up a church individualized bunch, full of a bunch of denominators. He set us up to be dominators. He didn't put you on this earth to get along. 
He put you on this earth to take over. He didn't put you on this earth to follow. He put you on this earth to lead. But see, when we try to lead many times, we lead from our story, our experience, or what we think something should or shouldn't be. Instead of doing what God does and saying, why? Do you know he never does a miracle for himself? He does it so his kingdom can be seen. He never asks you a question for himself. He only asks you a question so you can come up with an answer to help yourself. What's God saying to you? Well, where's the church? Why are we wearing masks? That's stupid. In the church. Why are we wearing masks in the grocery store? Why are we, you know, can only got limited times we can do this and limited numbers of people that can do that? That's one question to ask. You know, but a greater question to ask is why is all this taking place? And what does it have to do with God? Hmm. And so if we're going to be champions, we need to understand whose team we're on. If we're going to live a life of champions and conquerors, we need to know what battlefield to live and die on. If your whole life represents a ladder and you're painting a building and your whole 80 years of existence is painting a building and you've done a great job, you've perfected it, it's amazing. Everybody goes by and looks, man, look at that building, it's amazing. And you go to heaven and St. Peter says, that's good, but the problem is you put your ladder up on the wrong building. It was the building next to it. And it wasn't as tall. You could have been done sooner and on the second building. But that's a great job. But it wasn't my purpose. Are you painting the right building today? Are you building the life that you know God has you to build? Or are you just living? an old country song years ago, living like you're dying. What if we lived like we were dying? What if we lived like this would be the last day on earth? I bet our schedule would be different. If we were having the last conversation with our parents, I bet our conversation would be different. If we were having the last conversation we'd ever have with our children, our friends, I bet it would be different than your day is going to be. Now, I'm not trying to get you so deep to get you stuck which sometimes stuck is good because when you're stuck, you have to get very ingenuitive and you have to be ingenuitive and you have to get some help and you have to get some props and you got to work and work and work to get unstuck. But you know what? Next time you come up driving up on that thing, you'll know not to go into that because if I do, I might get stuck. But what else you do? Somebody else could be stuck a year from now and you would know how to get them out. So stuck is not bad. Angry is not bad. Just don't sin. If you sin, repent. Fear is not bad because if you couldn't feel fear, you might just walk off a rock cliff. You wouldn't fear any death. Hmm. It's only bad 
when it becomes your focus and consumes your life and causes you to not conquer. Quiet Holy Ghost House. How are you guys doing out there in Planet Universe social media right now? Are you looking at me like, did you go just get, if you went and got a cup of coffee, you need to rewind it. It's really good. <laughs> Man. Guys, this is a time to seek God. This is the time to encourage one another. This is the time to be there for one another. This is a time like no other time in history as far as the church. So what's God up to? What in the world is God thinking? What in the world is God doing? I mean, you know, my little old mind has been all over the place like yours. Well, what you do, you just do what you know to do. And you seek God, and you just, no matter what situation you're in, you be a champion. That's what God called you to be. So let's talk about that for a minute. Maybe all this will tie in. Maybe it won't. We'll see. We'll figure it out when we get there. So if you're going to be a champion, we were talking about David last week. We'll talk about him, the cave of Adullam, again this week. But if you're going to be a true champion, a true champion does what? They maximize every breakthrough they have. They don't just have a breakthrough and go, oh, that's awesome. I got that financial breakthrough. Or, oh, that's awesome. God healed my knee. Well, what about your heart? Well, that's awesome. God touched my daughter. Well, what about saving your household? So David was the kind of man that maximized every breakthrough he had. Every time he had a decision and he went for it, what did he do? He dug in deeper and expanded it. Proverbs 16, 9 says, In their hearts, human plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Do you know you cannot have momentum without steps? You cannot have progress without taking action? Remember I talked to you last week, it's not about failing that just means it was a learning lesson. Sometimes it's a long learning lesson, but boy, you learned it. The toughest things you've been through, you can let it destroy you and eat you up, or you can let it be something to propel you to be a deliverer of others. It's your choice. Because what? Through. What's through? Through is important. So if you make a decision and put no steps in it, it's just a dream. Vision is good. Dream is good. But if you don't take the right steps, the actions, you're never going to get there. You say, yeah, but once I figure it all out, you'll never do it. Because you'll always be planning. Planning is not preparing. Preparing is once you prepare and you go through the best scenario you got to deal with at the moment. Planning is planning out what could happen and might, and that's good. But preparedness is when you use what you have where you're at and associate it with what you've got to deal with. So when we look at momentum, what happens with momentum is if I had a big circle up here, it'd be like, okay, up here would be potential. Then you'd have an arrow over here that would be action. And then that action would produce results. And what's the results do? It produces certainty. You figured it out. What's that do? It brings you to a higher level now that you have more potential than you did before. 
but it's a process. So, our history or background would only determine our success or failure depending on how we use it. How are you using your story? How are you using the abuse you lived through? You did live through it because you're here. How did you live through the heartbreak? How did you live through the betrayal? How did you get through? You know what? That's lessons that you can use to get through the next things, and they won't be as big to you, even though they would have crushed you five years ago. So when you start, so what happens is when I have momentum, everything I've experienced in my life, I can pull on just like you, and we minister from that. That's what maturity is. Maturity is not just aging or aging well or bad. Maturity is when you have a higher level of understanding through experiential knowledge. And the more experience you have, to you, it's easy to someone else. You're like, they're like, oh, my God, thank you. And you're like, what? I thought we were just talking. So what happens, guys, when, when you are really flowing in a high-level momentum as a champion, what are you going to do? You're going to start adding value to others. And as you add values to others, God adds value to you. So as we get ready to get into the cave here again, I want to talk to you today. What I want to talk to you today is about adding, adding value to people when they're walking through pain. We have a lot of people in pain. We have people in our congregation today, pain. But I noticed one family was ministering to someone out of their pain, and it brings joy because they got to minister to someone this morning. See, that's the highest level. When I add value to someone in pain, that I have as much or more pain than they do, but I still add value to them. That's when you have momentum. That's when you're not just reactionary, you're moving into something that's beyond yourself or your control. So as you're adding value, what are you really doing? You're not tapping into their potential, you're tapping into your potential. So every time I add value, God brings higher level capacity people into my life, and I got to grow to add value to them. But every time I add value to them, I leapfrog up to another level of value, and I become more valuable to them and to others. What are you talking about? Not valuable in the sense of I want to get a leg up, valuable to the kingdom of, God, kingdom of God to lead his ecclesia, to lead his church. So as we look at it, we all have amazing potential. Genesis 1.27 says God has already made you in his image and likeness. He put you on this planet to take over, to subdue. Fish and sea, fowl the air, and all the creepy things on the earth. He put you up and set you up here to, to pursue, to conquer. But it all comes down to choice. It comes down to decisions. And that's where breakthrough lies. Breakthrough is not once you get there and accomplish something. Breakthrough is when you make a decision, I'm going to live or die on this. I'm going to do this or just take me on to heaven. I am going to do this until God just says, turn left. I'm going to go straight. And what happens is when you make that decision, that was your breakthrough. That gives you the momentum. Now, if you put step after step, even right and wrong steps to it, before long, you will get momentum and revelation, just like Simon Peter would hit it every now and then and miss it a lot, but he was Simon Peter, right? He was still one who hears God. He just sometimes hurt himself more than God. That's all like us. But think about it. For the fact of hearing God and the fact that, that 
that he had taken these steps, that's what got him through when he turned on God. God still had his hook in his heart. So the cool thing is, the greater your momentum, is also the greater opportunity to mess up because you're going to do it quicker, faster, and harder than ever before. But the cool thing is, God's going to empower you to get through it so that you can take that to add value to others. So whatever you focus on is what you're going to do, whatever you give your attention to, whatever you, wherever you place your art. You know, like, like last week I shared with you the story about Rocky and about Sylvester Stallone. And to me, the story of him writing it and getting the movie produced and all that was bigger than the story. The story was almost a letdown after I learned that. Because the story was kind of a typical thing, but when I read about his life and heard that, how many of y'all, did that really encourage you hearing his life? He was, man, that dude, what, he had momentum even when he felt like the lowest failure in his life. When he had to go to the library just to read to get warm, when everybody walked out on him, he lost his dog, he lost everything, but he was focused on what he knew he was supposed to do. And he said, well, why movies? He said, I knew I would never, I wasn't going to do television or anything else. I was going to do theater. I was going to do movies. They said, well, why? He said, because I felt if I could write the right story, act the part, I could help change people's lives and bring them hope and encouragement that they can get through too. That's why I always picked the Rambo characters and stuff like that. He wanted to show you that even through the pain, you can gain. What is that? That's Ecclesiastes. Even through your pain, you can gain. Even through your pain, you're advancing the kingdom. The key is, what do you do with your pain? Are you using it to add to you and to add to others? What are you doing with it? So let me talk about this, then we'll hit David real quick. Every human lives three lives. Every one of you, you and I, we live three lives. Number one, we live a public life, don't we? Like right now, everybody sees you, they know you. Your public life, what is that? Your work, your social life, your church life, all that. Then every human has a private life. What's that? Your close family, your close friends, the people that know you the best. But you also, every one of you, as well as I, what do you have? You have a secret life. And the secret life is where the power lies. The secret life is what's going to determine how successful your public life is and your private life is. And that's something that really always intrigued me when I study the life of David. It's easy to get caught up on him, you know, right at the instant, you know, when he kills, the, when he kills Goliath or, you know, when he goes out and kills his 10,000 and all the great things he did recover all from Ziglag. All that's cool. But the interesting thing is it started way back there as a shepherd boy. Started way back there as a shepherd boy in his secret place, even away from his family and friends. He was isolated, taking care of his daddy's sheep out maybe a day or two away from everybody else on his own. Just him, the sheep, and God. And that's where he built such an amazing relationship with God. And even when Samuel came to choose a king for his family, his dad had forgotten about him. And God turned all these that would look like they could be the king down and said, do you have another? So said, I got this kid out there taking care of you. I'll wait. And Samuel wouldn't even sit down to ever how long it took him to get him. And God said, he's the one. And what's cool about that is they all go on with their life and he's anointed king. But somewhere between that and Goliath, he had to run in with a bear by himself. He could have said, you can have that sheep. We're going on the other side. <laughs> Just don't, you know, don't. 
He killed a lion by himself in his bare hands. Little teenager. What is that? That's preparation. That's training through action. It's preparation. That's what he did in his private time. And when it comes time for him to fight Goliath, he said, don't worry, King Saul. I'll kill the bear and the lion with my bare hands. This, this dog, he won't, he won't make it through the day because he understood covenant. He understood that he was God's kid and he was not going to let anybody come against his covenant. And why, how did that happen? Well, God chose him. Listen now. God chose him before Samuel knew him. God chose him before Saul even messed up. He knew what was going to happen because the people chose Saul, not God. Acts 13, says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He didn't say a man that gets my own heart. He didn't say a man that knows all things. He didn't say a man that would never sin. He didn't say a man that would never have pride. He didn't say a man that would never mess up. He didn't say a man that would never cheat on his wife or murder someone because of it. He didn't ever say anyone that, would, that he wouldn't gossip. He didn't say anyone that he would stand up when he shouldn't stand up and get friends killed. He said, a man after my own heart. So let's go back to what I was talking about a while ago. Why is a great question. It's always above what, how, and when. Understand the why of a matter. And if you want to know a why of any matter, you've got to get God's heart on it. I mean, think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were dedicated, committed. They were believing for the Messiah. They had their organizations, their religion. But they didn't have the Father's heart. And they were doing everything they knew to do up to the point God changed what they were supposed to do. And the only way you're going to know what God changes is to know his heart. And when David picked up that that broke the heart of God, that his armies of his nation would stand there and let that uncircumcised Philistine taunt them, he'd turn David loose on him. Because David's just naive enough to do, I'll die to please God's heart. I won't die to not fail, not to make a mistake, to never sin, because I can't do that. I'm human. But I will die to defend the Father's heart. And if I miss it, he'll know I at least believed it. What do you believe? Do you believe you're right? Do you believe you know the way? Maybe you do. Maybe you are. There's lots of times, Paul, over the years I believed I was right to find out years later I was an idiot. Sometimes days later. Sometimes minutes later. But if we're going to live a life of a champion, the number one qualification is to seek doesn't mean you're going to always know it, but always to seek the Father's heart on a matter. Said it. He will do everything I want him to do. Think about that. David would do anything he felt God wanted him to do. What if God said for you to give half your business to him? What if God said to you, dedicate a child to him, and they never know it, but you pray and whatever, Lord. 
What if God asked you to change careers? What if, what if God asked you to cut down time over here, sell some things so you could serve more in the ecclesia, the kingdom of God? Well, I see people doing things. I've seen people sell cars. I say, don't do that. I don't I'm give their car away or this or that. I'm like, and they never get a car back or whatever. They, they just did it as a good gesture or they saw somebody else did it and they got a newer car and they think, well, I'll get a bigger car when I give this one away. It doesn't work that way. The people that gave their car away and got a car back or a nicer car back was the ones that knew that was a test the father wanted them to do and it was a heart matter. Matters in the heart. What matters to your heart matters to God. And you're going to have stuff come up in your life. He doesn't put it on you. But he wouldn't allow you to go through it if you couldn't handle it. And what would be the purpose if there wasn't something amazingly greater harvest that you're going to bring in because you went through it? When it was time for him to defeat the barren lion, when it was time for him to defeat, defeat Goliath in chapter 1 Samuel chapter 17. And then we come back to where we were last week when the outcasts followed him in. Remember, the 400 men, along with their families, followed him into the cave of Adullam when he was running for his life. And what's interesting, it says they came in, what, broke and deaded and all this stuff. David had already been running for his life because he didn't want to kill God's anointed, even though he had multiple opportunities, because that wasn't God's heart. <laughs> Think about the time. David is running for his life. And Abathar, the priest, let him borrow the sword he killed with Goliath with, and Saul comes in and kills Abathar, his family, and all the priests and their family in that city and burned it down. Imagine the family members that were murdered in prison by Saul just because he was trying to find David. And here David's man says, I got him. He's asleep. Nobody's around him. I know how to get in. And he and David crept up, one of his mighty men with him. He's like, go on, do it. And he's like, no, kill him. See, he came because he didn't know the father's heart. He came to do what a man would do. Kill a man that's trying to kill you, trying to kill your leader, trying to do what he knew what was in his heart, but not God's heart. But David, and then he was going to kill him. David's like, no, you can't do that. You cannot touch God's anointed. God's anointed. He's murdering our family. He's doing this. He's, you, you think we have issues today over COVID? We got, do I wear a mask or not? Oh my, do I wear a mask? Is it of God? Dude, what if God said you got to do something for someone that murdered your family? And David just reached down and cut a little piece off his cloak so he could show him later that he could have killed him. Didn't do any good for Saul, but it did a lot for David. But I wonder, I wonder, Sean, as they're going back into camp, what that mighty man, David lost it? Is he getting soft? I mean, I, I thought he heard God. God wants to win. He doesn't want to lose. That guy is not standing for God's covenant. He's into witchcraft. He's evil. He's lost his mind. What's up with David? Oh, I'll tell you. It's above our pay level a lot of times. It's the Father's heart. That's why the Bible makes it very clear. Judge not lest ye be judged in that day. Judge yourself. Don't judge others. 
You don't judge yourself if you're good or evil. You judge yourself, did I hear God or not? Was that God or not? Was that God or not? Is, he, is this the revelation I need right now? Is this the information I need right now? Is this the step I need to do? Is this the mountain I got to die on for God? Is this it? Is this the one? Not what's going to bring the less pressure or relief or notoriety. Oh, you might get notoriety, but the wrong notoriety when you do what's in the Father's heart. Think about that. Every time David opportunity takes all out, I can just, his mighty men are what, what are you thinking, dude? Remember that cave we all were hiding out in for our lives? But see, what happened, it went all the way back there. It was another lesson for them because they still didn't know David's power yet, even though when they were in the cave, he started adding value to them. And what they didn't realize, his value grew to God. Because in his pain and sorrow, he added value to people in pain and sorrow. And as he brought them up, God raised him up. And he brought courage to them, and he brought healing. Do you think he had a lot of courage running off to the cave? He was running for his life, man. He was broken, betrayed, used, on the run for his life. You think that he just ran in like, oh, I'll just go in here and, yeah, I say the Lord will bring people to me. And when those people come, I'm sure he's like, what, God? I mean, couldn't you brought a mighty army? You brought the in debt, broke, wounded, messed up, hurt people. What am I going to do with them? He probably got off in that cave a little deeper and whined at God until he got his heart. They started adding value to each other. And all of a sudden, the cave of Adullam became a cave of breakthrough. It became a place where they started believing something was greater in them than what was waiting on them outside of the cave. David's private life was with him when he was in that cave and prepared him. They got to see his private life, but they didn't get to see David's secret life, right? And then David's private life was with his father and his brothers and his family when they were at Ziglag. And here he had to stir himself up and encourage himself in the Lord. So we see each time when he had to face Goliath or face the bear or to, to, to face, uh, the, to recover all Ziglag like Pastor Mark was preaching about, God doesn't move in your private life. God moves in your secret life. God doesn't move in your private if you didn't get it right in your secret life, there ain't nothing happening in your private life. And there ain't nothing happening in your public life. God is moving in your secret life. We see that here David got all this promotion and Saul was jealous. You think people don't get jealous of your success? People don't get jealous of what's going on in your life? So you better know you heard God. Because if it's yours, God will tell you to defend it. If it's yours, God will tell you to stand up for it. But if it's something God wanted, he'll fight on your behalf. You might have to do something, but he'll do the majority. So your plans, so I guess what I want to get to today, if you want to be a true champion, it starts right here. It starts right here. And it starts seeking the Father.